This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're talking issues this week. Uh, Our guest is uh, Dr. Sybil Francis from the Center for the Future of Arizona, and she recently commissioned a survey which was conducted by the ever-able Paul Benz. He's also here. And um, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. And welcome back, Paul. Thank you for having me. Um, First of all, we should probably start by having you tell our listeners what is the Center for the Future of, of Arizona? What's your agenda? What are you about? So we were founded, I was one of the co-founders in 2002 of the organization, along with Laddie Kaur, who's the former president of ASU, and he was stepping aside as president at that time. And we were we really were thinking about how do we create an organization that can really think big about Arizona, think about Arizona's future, and how can we contribute to that? So our, our we're a nonprofit, nonpartisan, uh, nonpolitical uh, but we're really very much grounded in what matters to Arizonans. And so this is really how this Arizona voters agenda came to be. But overall, our mission is to bring Arizonans together to create a stronger and brighter future for our state. And as I said, we're grounded in what Arizonans want. We have a long history of doing sur- very in-depth surveys of what Arizonans want. And the most recent is this Arizona voters agenda. And what were the topics, the broad topics? That you so the topics were... Um, informed by our previous survey research, and they really are the top issues um, that are on the minds of Arizonans, education, uh, immigration, the economy, uh, environment and water, uh, jobs, uh, and a number of other issues. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move to one of those, always uh, at or near the forefront of people's concerns uh, uh, is education. Um, at at all levels. And uh, what essentially did you find? Sure. Let me just say a little bit about sure. why, how something got on the Arizona voters agenda, because that's important. Uh, we, when we surveyed uh, working with Paul and High Ground, we set a bar of 50% or above about what uh, could make it onto the agenda. So you had to be 50% considered an issue to be important? Yes. So 50% of the respondents, and we it was a cross-cutting uh, uh, survey of likely Arizona voters, 50% or more had to strongly agree. And then if you looked at the groups uh, by political affiliation or age, we said you have to, we have to reach 50% strongly support or support at least. So only issues that reached that level. And what we asked the voters was, or likely voters, was what would you like candidates running for office to be discussing? Because one of our concerns is that, um, you know, many of the topics that are being discussed by candidates running for office are, you know, the hot button issues, the issues that might be divisive or very, um, um, you know, hot button issues. But are our voters really hearing from candidates the things that they care about? So what we the point of this survey was really to ask, what are the things that you care most about that you'd like candidates to be addressing? And so that's really what is what makes up the Arizona voters agenda. So in the area of education, what what filters to the top? So uh, Arizonans, uh, and this was very much echoed in our earlier survey work, are very, very concerned about teachers and leaders in in schools. So 92 percent or so of respondents said that is a top priority issue, that we need to have um, uh, more qualified teachers and principals in school. So they're very concerned about, uh, you know, teacher attrition. They're very supportive of um, Increasing teacher pay, 
Uh, we did a part. We partnered with Education Forward Arizona in digging very deeply into education uh, attitudes of Arizonans. So teachers and principals, teacher pay. There's strong support for more funding for schools. Um, and finally, I think one of the things that really leapt out at us is that there's strong support for all ages of support for career and technical education. So both in the K-12 system, but also for people out in the workforce so that they can transition to different kinds of jobs as needed. I I listen to that and, and I have a sense of a little discontinuity between those suggestions and the nature of our political debate. If you go down to the legislature, they'll say, or at least the Republicans or the majority will say, we are really improving our schools and the way we're doing it is we are funding charter schools and private schools and and providing for school choice for parents is the politically attractive phrase. How How does that politics set Compare and how does how does that jive with with kind of what you found here? Well, you're really touching on a really important issue that doesn't just affect uh, how we interpret this on education, but on other issues. There seem to be gaps, pretty significant gaps, between what we're hearing from likely Arizona voters and what we hear candidates discussing or what's going on in the legislature. So, one really interesting question is why is that the case? Because we did not find um, majorities of support for the kinds of things that you're talking about. Um, there was no support for, you know, it didn't make the agenda. I shouldn't say mm-hmm. no support. Um, issues like um, closing failing schools. Uh, vouchers, I think Paul could speak a little bit to more detail on, on the numbers on that, but but vouchers did not make the agenda. Um, because it, a question was asked and it failed to achieve. Yeah, so we do have a number of issues that we asked about that didn't make that 50% uh, cutoff point. Now, does that mean that certain groups uh, may agree with that? So, for mm-hmm. example, there are sometimes divides between what Republicans and Democrat responses are. But as I said, to make it on the agenda, it has to be generally supported by 50% or more of voters, which is a good benchmark when you're looking at the things that we should be paying attention Paul, to in our elections. Paul, I, w- I wonder if you could speak to that. Uh, you know, we just had the legislature pass a, a, a complete expansion of educational vouchers. What what were your findings on that? specifically on the subject of vouchers. So I'll talk briefly about vouchers, but I do want to circle back on one thing about the agenda, and that is that 36% of the voters in this survey believe the state's headed in the right direction. Almost half believe the state's headed in the wrong direction. And so one of the goals of the agenda here is to talk about dialogue that brings voters together and finds universal support or bigger, broader support to challenge the media and others to ask questions about the what, the issues that more voters care about. And so in that context, vouchers is attractive to certain segments of the electorate, but not everyone. Career and technical education ranks significantly higher, increasing teacher pay and making sure that every classroom has a, a quality teacher and principal um, meet meet that threshold. Vouchers, and, and just interrupt for just as you said, quality teacher, does that translate to certified teacher? 
Did you do, did, we did didn't you deal with that issue? test quali- quality versus certified. One of the things that some of the private schools have done is, is open the door to teaching to non-certified teachers. So the strong support for vouchers, there is support for vouchers in, in certain segments. It's just not as strong as some of the other items. I'll give you a great example. Career and technical education had 78% strongly support and overall 97% of likely voters across all party segments support career and technical education. But was that what Republicans were talking about in the primary? No, they were talking about banning critical race theory. Mm -hmm. Um, Critical race theory is not overwhelmingly supported. And in fact, only 65% of Republicans support it compared to 95% of Republicans supporting career and technical education. Part of the goal of the Arizona agenda here is to point out these issues, that there are places where we agree and it doesn't need to be divisive politics. We can actually find areas that voters overwhelmingly want things done and to, to challenge them in that direction and, and change the dialogue. Sybil, you said something that, that caught my attention and you referenced sort of, uh, well, media. T- was was your target audience here a lot of that? Was, was it the media? And, and in other words, basically um, – is the audience here basically to educate media to say these are the questions that people are concerned about and that's what you ought to be asking about? Well, the media are very powerful in terms of shaping the dialogue. And so that's certainly, you know, we hope and that's why one of the reasons I'm so grateful to be talking to you is that we can help influence the dialogue and help Arizonans understand that we are not nearly as divided or polarized as the narrative seems to suggest, that you find that narrative in many, many different places. But but really, our focus is on countering the narrative of political uh, division and polarization, educating the media candidates and even Arizonans, because I think many people get very discouraged when they hear this message of polarization and they think it's hopeless. And so what we're we're not saying we agree on everything, but we are saying you know, there are some really important issues on which we agree that we could make we could come together and make progress on. And yes, the media are very important in that they're the ones uh, you know, writing the writing the articles, um, talking about on the radio, um, asking candidates to respond to certain types of issues. And so it's very important to, to us to help try to steer that dialogue to the things where there's actually a chance and a hope that we could make progress. One of the most insightful things that I ever read on the, on the subject of what is the role of or the influence of the media. It's, it doesn't do very well in uh, telling people what to think, but they do have a major role in what people think about. And and in that sense, it's a, a close job with the, the, the sort of the scheme of this, which is agenda setting and, and that uh, Therein, uh, what the media talks about, by and large, is what most people will ultimately talk about. Though, though often the media is responding to hot button issues. That you know, the old saying: if it bleeds, it leads. If there's conflict, if there's dissension, that becomes the uh, you know the moth to the to the flame, uh, irresistible. We'll return with Dr. Sybil Francis and with uh, Paul Bentz discussing the Center for the Future of Arizona and the Arizona Agenda in just a moment. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back with Dr. Civil Francis and Paul Benz discussing the uh, survey that the Arizona uh, Center, uh, Center for the Future of Arizona, uh, regularly conducts. And uh, it, it was divided into a number of sections, one of which related to taxes in the economy. 
One conspicuous fact that uh, set the context of this particular survey is that we, the state of Arizona this year was flush with a very, very substantial uh, surplus. And uh, the, you asked a number of questions of people, what, what would they like to see done with that broad stroke? What, what did they tell us? So we were very interested in this question because as a low-ish tax state, we um, often hear about cutting taxes and that uh, Arizonans you know, value l- the, the low tax environment. And so we really wanted to know what did Arizona voters uh, think of the, the big surplus that we have as a state in the billions of dollars and what should we be doing with those funds? So we asked a number of questions and found that um, while no one's signing up for new taxes necessarily, Mm -hmm. there really was a sentiment that we should be investing uh, these surplus dollars in making our state more robust and successful. So some examples of that that we asked about were investing in education, uh, infrastructure, uh, roads, uh, and public safety, as well as other issues. So there really was a sentiment that we should be thinking about our long-term success versus cutting taxes for individuals. And and the responses were along those lines as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So so absolutely that's exactly what we found was that that Arizona voters, likely voters, favored investing the the surplus uh, to cutting taxes. And and I I think it's always a fair statement that it's easier to get people to support additional expenditures if they don't involve additional taxes. That's well, a, the, the latter they will support, but it's a it's a higher barrier. Yes. Well, we are doing a follow-up survey to try to pinpoint these priorities just a little bit more, um, sort of trading off cutting taxes on each of these issues. But but I think it's fair to say that that people are not being driven by the desire for lower taxes. People responded that they believe that we should be paying our fair share uh, and that we should be uh, investing in Arizona's future. Either of you, maybe Paul, on this, uh, does do most citizens in Arizona understand that we are a low tax state. Yeah, is, the, is that is that widely understood? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe not in this survey, but from other. Things. No, actually, we asked a specific question. When compare Arizona to other states across the country, our tax burden is relatively low. Everyone should pay their fair share of taxes to ensure the state can continue to meet its core obligations. That's a value statement that we tested. Eighty-four percent of the electorate, including a majority of Republicans, agreed with that statement. Most folks understand that we are a low tax burden state. And then when you compare it to the other items that we looked at, like ensuring the state's long-term economic growth, addressing inflation. Cutting taxes was way down the list. It didn't make the agenda. And I think that's the big takeaway here is that when given the option of cutting further taxes or investing in infrastructure like education or public safety or roads, they are more inclined to rather invest the surplus than try to continue to cut taxes. Interestingly, I'd note that uh, this was one of the uh, first years in a long time where a substantial cut in taxes wasn't part of the uh, legislative agenda. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's related. I think even more so. It's, uh, this is the first year where we had a significant – we've had increases in education funding, but we saw a very significant nearly $1 billion added into education this year. And I think this polling combined with what Education Forward put out showed – and I heard someone say this verbatim, quote, it's not a risky proposition to increase funding in education. And our polling demonstrated that. I think that emboldened legislative leaders to be willing to have that be part of the budget negotiation and ended up with more money for education. And 
uh, it probably didn't hurt any that they were able to link that with a legislative priority to expand vouchers. Certainly, they were able to do both. I'd say um, always. Uh, so, what what, what other uh, Sybil, What 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 other uh, priorities do you see in the in the area of uh, the economy that people would like to see done? Sure. I mean, I think people understand the relationship between education, job training, and the economy. So, in some ways, we see those things together. Mm-hmm. So aside from the surplus, I think there's a general sentiment that we that in support of more funding for education, but also, as we said earlier, that uh, an understanding that um, you know, more career and technical education and training is important. Um, so those are a couple of, of the things that, that mm-hmm. uh, really contribute to a strong economy. Uh, and career and technical has always been very high in support. I think it, it, it's... Uh, Accompanied by a belief that that's heavily practical and that there's a, a left off sac, uh, segment of the of the younger population that may not be suitable for four years of traditional liberal arts education and who uh, many feel are not being well served. Sure. Out of the way we asked the question in this survey, though, expanded beyond K-12. Mm-hmm. And on from previous research, we all surveys, we know that uh, people earning less than $60,000 a year do not feel they have the training and educational opportunities to be able to advance in their careers that they would like. So we see the findings on career and technical education as certainly applying to young people in K-12, but also people who are in the workforce who might like to improve their their, their career opportunities. Any last, uh, we've got about 30 seconds left. Any last thoughts either of you have in the area of education and what the survey said? Okay. <laughs> we will return and we're going to talk about electoral reform and attitudes towards that when we come back with Dr. Sybil Francis and Paul Bentz in the Think Tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back with Sybil Francis and with Paul Bentz discussing the Center for the Future of Arizona study of Arizonans' priorities. Uh, immigration was a topic and has certainly been sort of the hot topic over the last several years, particularly as elections get closer. It's particularly, if you listen to the debate in and the and the political circulars that go out on the Republican side, it is it seems to have been the dominant issue. It's it's uh, conspicuously absent by by comparison on the Democratic side. But now we're moving to a general election where it'll probably be somewhere in the middle. Uh, what did the people in the state of Arizona have to say on the subject of immigration? Where and and specifically, where is their consensus? Well, as you said, um, this was clearly a topic that we wanted to ask likely Arizona voters about, given the national dialogue around it, given the importance to the state and um, a lot of the the discussion around it. So we wanted to find out what do Arizonans um, feel about immigration? What are you know, some of the hot topic or hot button issues like building the wall, uh, um, reform of uh, our our pathway to citizenship uh, uh, issues. So we found, uh, and again, very consistent with previous uh, surveys that we've done, 
huge, huge majorities of Arizonans uh, support immigration reform with a pathway to citizenship, for including for dreamers. And uh, that, that jumped out at me because uh, if you look at that and contrast that with how difficult that has been to get through – you don't see very many issues with 83% total support, including 61% strong support. Usually things at that level go through with grease lightning. But the, in, in the political arena, what we, what we hear on the Republican side is, well, do border security first, which seems to me – you know, without defining border – if border security means nobody's getting through, that ain't never going to happen. Especially it's not going to happen in an environment where uh, people who come here without legal sanction include 40 percent of that group is people who get off planes, have a legal visa, and just don't go back when they're supposed to go back. So you, you, ne- you never get to get zero. So bo- enforcement first seems to – seems to to me to equate with, well, when hell freezes over. Well, it's interesting because we did provide three different value statements, one that essentially captured what, what you just said, which is, you know, immigration is out of control. We need to build a wall. We need to deal with security. Uh, and then we had a statement that characterized, you know, what you might think of as a more, you know, sort of liberal open policy. And then we had a a middle value statement that said, you know, we understand immigration is important to our country. We need a functioning border. You know, we need to reform, uh, have immigration reform with a pathway to citizenship. And it was really that statement that that made it to the Arizona voters agenda. Mm -hmm. And so we did not find strong support across the board in the way we have defined it, which is 50 percent or more strong support among mm-hmm. likely voters uh, for, for example, for building the wall. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't segments of our voting population that might not feel strongly about that. But in terms of where we're looking for, again, our objective is to try to find the areas where we agree, where there is not division mm-hmm. And see that as, as as providing a foundation for moving forward. So so immigration reform and a pathway to citizenship and a functioning border is really where Arizona likely voters come down. And one thing that struck me, and this is consistent with everything I've ever seen on this, the DACA recipients, the Dreamers, are the among immigrants are the most sympathetic. Yes, uh, but we did find that path, reforming the pathway to citizenship, including for Dreamers, was a very strong strong results. Now, when you when you said, I wonder if, Paul, if you have a comment, when you say a word like comprehensive immigration reform, that can be kind of a Rorschach test. Did you probe all as to what that meant to people? No, this is the, the quantitative research. would love to get yeah, a little bit yeah. more of that in the qualitative, because comprehensive several years ago with the Gang of Eight certainly meant something a little different. And, and had been, had been kind of redefined to, by those who oppose it to mean... You know, don't build the wall or something like that. You know? Right. I, I think the big thing here that we look at is, and some people I'm sure are surprised based on the Republican rhetoric, but we're using the traditional definition of consensus where you have mm-hmm. other people who agree with you from across party lines and mm-hmm. other segments. And there's overwhelming support, particularly among some of these other non-Republican segments for a lot of these mm-hmm. items. Certainly, there's strong support for Republicans for a wall. But what what is important to note is that more than half of Republicans supported comprehensive immigration reform that includes a pathway to citizenship. More more than half, nearly two-thirds of Republicans supported creating a pathway for citizenship for DACA recipients and dreamers who are brought here to Arizona as children. It's 
when you open up your dialogue to broader than your primary audience, right, and you get beyond that, there's certainly, if you start listening to some of these other um, areas, there are, there's this broad consensus. And immigration is one of those areas that it gets so hotly defined in our primary system that it doesn't get necessarily the discussion it, it deserves in the general election. And, and simple, just a clarification, if you would. The the threshold for inclusion was you mentioned fifty percent. That's clear. But is that fifty percent strong support or fifty percent total support? So there there are two categories of support mm-hmm. that are needed to make it onto the agenda. Fifty mm-hmm. percent strongly support across the board. Okay. And then if you look at our the the subgroups that we included, mm-hmm. Republicans, Democrats, Independents, and non affiliated, and then age groups, we need to have strongly support or support in each of those individual groups by over fifty percent. Yes. Groups. So okay. that really eliminates the extremes. Okay. So if you have, you know, ninety five percent of, you know, one political affiliation and then five percent of the other that doesn't cut. That doesn't That's not quite. Consensus. Yeah, right. Okay. That's not consensus. So, so we're we are what we're not saying that we all agree on everything. Yeah. But what we're looking for is where are those areas of agreement that we could actually build on. Yeah. Uh, and then, yes, it's interesting to point out those areas that we that we that didn't make it onto the agenda because they also happen to be, uh, in many cases, the kinds of things that are dominating the airwave. So, what we're trying to say is. You know, there are other issues. And in Mm -hmm. fact, those issues may not be the ones that are most important to voters right now. And just as somebody who has parsed the linguistics of this for years, uh, that 50 percent, that 50 percent strong support is very different from 50 percent total support, because often people support, they vaguely support something. It's without a great deal of enthusiasm or vehemence. But when they say strong support, they really that 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 yes. catches catches your attention. Yes. Those are people who are, you know, if not slamming their fists down on the table when they mm-hmm. say it, they're at least they're emphatic about it. And it's so. important to note that when you add strong support on each one of these, there's over eighty, Mike. I yeah. mean, like these are, and and look, polling is often used, as you know, mm-hmm. as a pollster to divide and conquer. Right? Yep. You find yep. the intensity areas and you use it for division. What we're actually talking about is this: the uniting terms, the things that bring people together, that have that strong support across the board, so that somebody can't say, "Oh, I'll, yeah, you may agree with believe that, but most folks don't." We can say, actually, every partisan segment, every age segment agrees with what we're talking about. Move. I want to just cover quickly because I don't want to ignore it. Water and environment. What? What? What did you find jump out at? Well, Arizonans want to hear the plans that candidates have for water, and it's interesting that we're having this conversation right now, given the recent federal declaration of uh, of of a water crisis. Uh, so, you know, I, we may be hearing more about water in the general election, but in the primary, I'm not sure we heard much of anything, and yet at the, that. Arizonans have ranked this as one of the top priorities. Maybe because it's difficult to make that a winning issue in that we're not going to get a lot of disagreement. Uh, yes, we would like a secure water for uh, and you when you get disagreement it gets in with into questions of what are you willing to give up to get that? Are you willing to give up your lawn? Are you willing to curtail development rights? Are you, it's you know the the pain part of the we, yeah. we all would love Unlimited water. <laughs> well, I think what we're saying, though, is that Arizonans want to hear the plans mm. that candidates can bring to the table on water. And we are, as I mentioned, doing a follow-up survey with Paul and, and his group, and we're going to be getting a little bit more precise about where 
Arizonans think the priority uses of water should be, and we'll be mm-hmm. asking all the questions um, uh, to, to really refine that thinking. The hard questions. The hard questions. Yeah, where, who, who gets right. what and how, right. how it gets divided. Right. Yeah. But I think it's really about the plan. So the interesting thing that we haven't yet touched on is that, that we were somewhat surprised by is when we asked um, likely Arizona voters what was most important to them in hearing candidates, they said their plans and solutions to issues. And ideology came down very low, surprisingly, in some ways, in terms of how they assess candidates. Okay. Well, we've saved the best for last. We're going to talk about electoral reform and how all of this fits into an attempt to move the Arizona agenda when we return for a final segment in the Think Tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We are talking Arizona issues with Sybil Francis and with Paul Bentz. And uh, save kind of the juicy stuff for last, the political side of this. First of all, there were a number of questions uh, in the survey about electoral reform. What jumped out as areas of consensus in the issue of electoral reform? Well, first of all, we definitely wanted to ask about this question because of all the discussion that we hear about um, how elections are conducted. Was there were there stolen elections? Was there fraud? Um, You know, how do Arizonans vote? And so we thought it was very important to find out from likely Arizona voters how they felt about many of these things. Um, One thing that came that that there have been proposals for in the legislature, for example, is uh, tinkering or uh, outright eliminating mail-in voting. And so we thought it was very important to ask uh, about how Arizonans feel about their op- opportunity to vote by mail. And overwhelmingly, uh, Arizonans want to continue to vote by mail. So Given they... that 80% of them did, i yes. got to say I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, overwhelmingly, Arizonans wanted to continue to vote by mail. They also very much like, uh, in similar numbers, um, you know, early in-person voting. And so, so that was, you know, a message that was very important to us to make sure that we communicated with uh, others, the media and candidates, that they understand that about Arizonans. And that is something I have to say that I think we've done well in this state over the over the years to make voting uh, as easy as possible. That that includes a lot of options. The numero uno being mail-in votes, which is used by an overwhelming majority of voters. Yeah, and. Again, no surprise that people want to see that. They don't see, I gather, um, they don't see that as presenting a security issue. That's right. And, and you know, we as we did with other questions, we provided several value propositions. Uh, and the overwhelming support um, came out for, you know, can we do more to secure our elections? I mean, I don't think anyone's saying there's nothing we can do to to help make sure that we have secure elections. But basically, they want uh, Arizona voters want elections to be accessible and it should be easy to vote. And and on a side on the we've had the county recorder here who's pointed out, you know, when we get these things by the mail, we can actually verify better because we have weeks to do the process as opposed to somebody that comes in with maybe questionable documentation in person. And you have to try to make a decision on the fly. And of course, sometimes they set it aside. And and you cast what's called a provisional ballot, which means the the voter is obligated to go back and provide further information, documentation later on, which many will not do. Right. And now you can even 
get a text when your ballot is received mm-hmm. and when your ballot is counted, which is should give voters uh, a I, great, great confidence. I, I, I found that very reassuring. Sent in an early ballot and you get a text saying that it's been received. I mean, three or four of them, I think. We've got your, we've got your ballot. We processed your ballot. You know, it's a... I'm sure it's an automated system, but it's uh, but it is very reassuring because you, you know, fair enough. We wouldn't wonder, even though uh, I I can't recall ever not having gotten a piece of mail. It might have been once in a while, but if you wonder about it, that's very reassuring. You know, they got it. If you don't get that, presumably you show up on election day and you you try to cast a ballot. So, um. What else uh, was there in the in the area of electoral reform that what what didn't get wide sets? Were there things, Paul, left off the off the agenda? Sure. I think some of the barriers to participation that are being discussed right now don't achieve uh, that type of support we talked about with the voters agenda. We've we've mentioned one already, and that's that eliminating early in, uh, mail-in voting. Other polling we've done has showed that mail-in voting is incredibly popular, as you discussed. But there's not a single age segment that supports eliminating early voting from young voters who maybe don't check their mailboxes often all the way up to 65 and older who, who probably check it every day. There wasn't a single age segment. The only person, the only group, small segment that showed any interest in that was, was the Republican segment. But when you look at the other stuff that we talked Talked about like in-person voting. They also Republicans supported in-person voting, um, and that's one of the items that I think we saw that was in addition to mail-in voting that is very popular. Mm-hmm. This this notion of in-person voting or multiple days to come in and find a voting center is is very well regarded. Some of the changes to the law regarding vote by mail with your driver's license number, voter ID number, and others. Some segments liked it, other segments strongly opposed it. So it didn't it didn't achieve uh, the agenda as well. One other item, though, that I think is important and and does speak to the electorate as a whole is this notion of treating candidates fairly. There is an overwhelming belief right now that uh, not all candidates are treated fairly. And so we tested an idea of ensuring that all candidates, regardless of party affiliation, have the same signature requirements to qualify for an elected office. 67% of folks strongly supported that, and overall 87% agreed with it. I mean, making some reforms to make this make the elections more competitive, treat candidates more fairly, um, are are incredibly supported by the electorate. Because the Lar- fact, yeah. And largely that means independents. It's independents currently have a higher threshold. The, yeah, they have a, a barrier to participation, particularly at the statewide level, where they have to get somewhere between six and seven times more signatures than a partisan candidate mm-hmm. in order to qualify for the ballot. And that's a that is a significant barrier to participation that voters oppose. Did you test any of the electoral reform issues like uh, variance of top two or ranked choice voting or anything of that sort? Uh, we have not not in this um, survey. In our previous surveys, we did ask about ranked choice voting, which is a very complicated thing to yeah. explain yeah. on a yes. survey. Uh, but we did see some support, I would say. Well, I yeah. think about 60 percent of um, in our previous work showed some interest in that. Um, but I would want to to explore that with multiple questions and in much more depth to really get a better understanding of where the electorate stands My guess that. is that's an area where opinions evolve, that if you're yeah. a few years ago, then you predominantly get, what's that? And it sounds hokey right. and I don't right. understand it. But we're now getting results from a number of states that have implemented it. And you see news reports of the votes and they always explain what it is. So I, I suspect over the next several years, the electorate will be much more informed about what that means and may may come to 
I always thought what, there was one thing about that that was if you have a just a one shot in August and or early September now or what or was September now it's August a one shot with a lot of candidates that that there might be a problem if that a lot of the candidates just aren't known and still having a two phase as they did in Alaska they you know they picked they have ranked choice but only in the second phase. By which time you're down to four candidates. And at four candidates, people can understand. If you've got a laundry list of candidates, they don't understand. And I, I, I could see how ranked choice would how Who's going to bother to worry about their 13th versus their 12th versus their 11th choice? No. Well, I think this whole discussion really raises one of the big questions that certainly leap out at me, uh, that leaps out at me from these findings, which is how do we explain this gap between what Arizona's likely voters believe and want and what we're hearing in our political campaigns and possibly even what we're getting out of our elected leaders. That's striking. It's very striking. It's two different worlds. And I think we've become almost immune to this idea of, of, oh, well, the candidates are speaking to their base, Mm -hmm. you know, which is really in many ways what's going on when you hear these hot button issues Mm -hmm. that don't actually make it onto the Arizona voters' agenda. So candidates of you know both parties are speaking to their base, but somehow we've come to think of that as normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet it's really delivering things that are candidates that are not necessarily representative of what Arizonans want. You know, as a, as a center, we have not taken any positions or come to conclusions on this, but we're certainly asking some very important mm-hmm. questions about how do we get a system that is more representative of what, of, of what Arizona voters want. Um, so so it, it, it raises questions about fairness, I think, to voters, because is it really a fair, fair system if, if the way it's structured does not address what most voters want? And it's very insidious because I think it, it, um, it feeds on itself. So as people become disillusioned with the the representation that they're getting. Many people have, you know, in recent years, there's been an influx of people becoming independents and Mm non-affiliated voters, which leaves the parties in some ways more um, partisan. And then independent voters um, have a much, have to jump through more hoops in order to be able to vote in primaries. So they Mm -hmm. vote in lower percentages than than the, the two parties. But I think even more than that are, are, are likely Arizona voters hearing from candidates what are the things that are on their mind? And I mentioned that we're doing a follow-up survey uh, with Paul and High Ground um, to really say, are there candidates that are speaking to the issues that matter to you? Is there at least, are at least there some candidates that, that you could feel that represent your views that you could vote for? And it'll be very interesting to see those results when we get them in a few weeks. But I think we've become almost immune to uh, to that uh, because we just think this is the way it is in our electoral mm-hmm. system. But is that really the way it should be? Should we not have a system that is more representative of of what likely voters want? That suggests to me that uh, some issues of reforming the process absolutely are, are implied. Absolutely. Uh, and and there have been a variety of those, the various, you know, top twos and, and, and various kinds of systems that would kind of break the back of the – what I think the common thread of this is our agenda that we're talking about 
is being set by primary voters in both parties. Um, and that leaves out independents. It leaves, even though they can vote, they tend not to. That leaves out a lot of different people and leaves out the kinds of issues that uh, you've demonstrated have the highest degree of consensus. Yeah, independents vote less because it's they have to jump through more hoops. And it's not surprising that the political parties don't want people who are not committed partisans to be voting in their primaries. And some people have asked, why are we using taxpayer dollars to support these private parties? Uh, in the election system. So it raises a lot of interesting questions. That's the last word. And I thank you both for being here. And if folks want to reach you. www.arizonafuture.org. See you next week in the Think Tank.